Hey folks, you're listening to Riffs and Scripts. This is part two of our episode on festivals. No, I've, I've done hundreds of shows and a good percentage of them were, you know, to a man and his dog. In fact, I oh played God. to a man, a dog, and two 12-year-old girls before when I was about 19, and I remember that festival. Uh, here's a really good family-friendly one. So as you'll know from this podcast, I tend to swear quite a bit, and um, I don't do it in front of kids. If I know that there's kids in an audience, I really don't, and I make a very special effort. It's blooming... I've forced myself not to, but I don't do it. And we do this festival. We, we did it two or three years on the trot called Lechlade Festival which is actually really close to me and they puts on the main stage actually because um, just because one of the guys liked us so much a guy called Ian who's a really cool guy and um, we go down a storm there real storm and uh, it always coincides with about this time my birthday and so uh, I've done gigs on my birthday or just before or just around then and they always do something because it's my birthday and usually it's to do with the burlesque performers Um, (laughs) so of course um, like they pulled me up on the burlesque stage or or they had naked body painting and then all these body painted women turned up at the end of our set that was weird so that was a weird thing that used to happen at festivals Um, yeah I've been pulled on stage for um, burlesque that was fun I also, my birthday is in August. So every time I've been to Edinburgh, every summer show I've done, and a lot of festivals are over the summer, obviously. I've given up so many birthdays for little fringe shows. I spent spent my 21st on the train to Edinburgh for the tech run of that terrible musical. Oh my God. I, I tell you what, on my birthday, I did a gig at a festival called Breaking Bands Festival, which is a really good festival, kind of small small festival, but like fills up. We It was just our scene as well, so everyone kind of knew us there. And we did a few gigs at Breaking Bands, two gigs at Breaking Bands overall, um, with about a three-year gap in between. And on the first one, it was my birthday, and a guy came up to me and said, oh, it's your birthday today, just after I come off stage. Says, yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, do you want a drink? And I was like, I, I don't really drink because, you know, we're singing. And dr- I'll tell you what, I'll have a Malibu and Coke, right? He says, cool, I'll, have a Mal- I'll give you a Malibu and Coke. It's like £4 or something, right? So, great. Thank you very much, mate. Do you have any uh, CDs that you're selling? And I said, no, I didn't have, don't have any CDs. Um, but, uh, you know, if he comes to us again, you know, we'll have some CDs next time. Mm. Anyway, so that night, we it, it's a camping thing. And I had my car there and I was sleeping in my car. And uh, I happened to find some of our band CDs in the back. So the next morning I go out and say, hey, mate, did you want to buy a CD? And he was like, yeah. Uh, how much are they? Five pound. And he takes the CD out of my hand and goes, oh, well, I bought you a drink last night, so I'll have that then. What? You can't do yeah. that. That's no, mugging you someone. you can't do that, can you? Since then, I've been much more firm with people, but he just took it off me and I was just like, I was so dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say. And that kind of tells you everything. On my birthday, the guy says he's going to buy me a birthday drink and then takes a CD off me. And then mugs you the next day. Then mugs me. <laughs> yeah. So uh. mugged by a fan. If you are looking to um, put your own show on, and Edinburgh is a fantastic place to do that. But as I said before, it's massively oversubscribed. And my big my big gripe with Edinburgh now isn't necessarily to do with, with the, the companies that go there. But my issue is with um, the venues and the accommodation and the local places because they really, 
really chuck their prices up they yeah. it costs it so basically nowadays an edinburgh venue costs so much that you have to sell out sell out remember what i said before about how rare that yeah. is you yeah. have to sell out the entire run to break even just on the venue venues yeah. intentionally do that so they go well it costs this much and we take a percent of your ticket sales so then if you sell out it you've broken even but it's like well hold yeah. on what about the set what about the props what about the rights to whatever yeah. show we're putting on what about actually paying our actors for a change yeah, yeah, um yeah. accommodation is ridiculous up there at this point it's so difficult we did a thing when when my bunch of my friends came up to see me in a show i i was actually this was a good one our cast were in uni accommodation so that worked out quite nicely yeah. but my friends booking an airbnb uh, i think there were four of them and we booked a one-bedroom airbnb and just sofa like shared sofas yeah. and beds and things yeah, like yeah, that yeah. because it's so insane my point is especially if you're from london or down south consider starting with camden fringe camden mm. fringe is so much fun and the thing i personally love about it is you kind of forget that you're part of a festival because festivals are normally big and crowded and everyone's in one place and you're fighting for the attention and la la mm. la 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 when i did camden fringe i was at the hen and chickens theater and i love that place if anyone ever said to me amber do you want to audition to to perform there again i really would i just loved it so much and um the great thing about it i think it was hybrid in a zington area you kind of forgot it just felt like doing a theater yeah. run yeah, which yeah. was so nice you still get put into into you know um the fringe guide what shows are on and there are ways to promote yourself like it's very possible and it is just a lot cheaper so if you're doing your first show and you are, especially if you're based in or near London, you don't have to worry about getting up to Edinburgh or getting your set or everything up to Edinburgh. You don't yeah. have to worry about paying travel for your cast. You know, you can get a local cast from London and you all you really have to worry about is the actual expenses, the venue and yeah. the set and the props and hopefully giving your cast some money if, if you can. Um, yeah, it's a great starting point. And then, you know, if you do well, you get a rep for yourself. You've got some good reviews in and previews. And, you know, then maybe you can look at the bigger festivals like edinburgh i think my, my main point is i just think it's it's a very big risk to try edinburgh first if you're paying for it yourself yeah yeah it yeah, will absolutely. burn your money yeah absolutely have you ever been to the vaults say again have you ever been to the vaults the vaults do you know what that is there's something lurking in my brain about the vaults but i don't know what the vaults are tell me about the vaults, the vaults is currently my favorite drama festival okay. it's awesome for so many reasons it's based under waterloo station in all okay. of these hollowed out train tunnels hence why it's called yeah, the vaults yeah. it's so it's it's literally underground you know so it's such an in, it's interesting because a lot of a lot of fringe venues are you know what i've described before the black box theater whereas the vaults is intentionally a bit more interesting it's it's bricks it's it's corridors it's it's yeah, yeah. so much more immersive and that's awesome but then as well um it's in january so it breaks up it breaks up winter really nicely yeah. if you're yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. A, if you're a creative person who has done the summer festivals and then panto season and then you have you have um what we call the post-show blues and yeah. i don't know if you get that after you've toured or something but when you've been doing a show for an exterior ex 
when you've been doing a show for an extended period of time and you've worked so hard at it and you've had that performance and people are cheering for you every night and you get to bow and you're like yes yes this is that dream this is that high that i've been chasing there's a yeah. crash that comes after yeah, 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 yeah and it's painful the post-show yeah, blues is. are very real you will see Mate. actors desperately looking for even small quite rubbish jobs to ease yep. that post-show blues for after the big jobs so the great thing about the vaults is it breaks up winter and if anyone's feeling a bit like down after the holidays you can go there and it is really cheap and it's so much in fact if you're wanting to put a show on i don't know the details because i've not done one there myself but it's very it's very reasonable and it's very doable and it's a great event and the surrounding part it's just so much fun i'll take you there this year we'll go see yeah, something do it. We'll do it. Do it. Do it. Well, we, next year. Um, <laughs> yeah, next year. We um, yeah, the po- post post tour blues, etc. We we don't tend to do tours in that same sense. Bands kind of used to do that. Smaller bands don't now. If they they kind of realise not. To. It, it depends on the size of your band. If you're just big enough to do it, then it's worth it. But a lot of bands like mine, I mean, over the last couple of years, we realised it was only really worth playing shows on Friday, Saturday nights. Hmm. So we would just do two days of trot most weekends you know that's why we did loads of shows last year um and did them mostly on fridays and saturdays because it's so hard to get people out during the week Mm. um so we didn't tend to do a block of x amount of weeks and then off we just do shows most weekends actually that can be quite fun in a way because you see each other regularly it's really good for your kind of morale and really good for your kind of your bond because in a band the camaraderie is really the only it, it, it's the most important and also the most fun thing is, is the oh, camaraderie 100%. you share. Yeah. And um, that's a huge deal. But there is a thing about uh, playing... I think I played Bloodstock, actually. That was our first proper festival we played. And then I was waiting tables and being shouted at by customers the next day. You know? In there. Yeah, oh and it's like, God. wow. You know, I have literally just performed in front of hundreds, maybe a thousand people that show was. Because we brought people in, and there was there was hundreds, and they, they just slowly came in. Because we're in the smaller room, but once once you start belting out really high notes, and they pierce through the crowd, then people go, "Oh, something's going on. We'll go over that way," you know. And so we're playing in front of maybe a thousand people, and then, you know, next next day I was taking crap off customers over their breakfasts, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, I've totally. Been wow, there. you know, and that that's that's always a big deal. I did a gig in Ibiza, which went really badly. Actually, it didn't go really badly. It went really well. Everything that went up to it went really badly, um, which I will tell you because it's really funny. Uh, lots of really funny things happened over the course of that that holiday. But again, you come back and I at, the, at that point again I was waiting tables and that's a really friggin' up down, you know? Yeah, like, it's exhausting. It's huge really deal. exhausting. I was I was you know on stage in Ibiza and with my hotel being paid for, playing in front of hundreds of people. And and everyone's screaming for us, and then come off stage. Do you want chips with that, mate? You know, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, I had yeah. that when we did Sweeney Todd, so the, the good Edinburgh experience because I opened and closed the show. The first bit of singing and the last bit of singing. I was the first one on, last one off. So there's something really like sexy and empowering about doing that. Ooh. It was so much fun to be the one like that opens the curtains and sings the first. Um, attend the tale of Sweeney Todd yeah Yeah. and and then also getting to finish it with this big I don't know how well people know Sweeney Todd but it's rather dramatic this big ending and to then like be the one that exits like we're done and it was so 
like delicious mic yeah drop. it was an actor's <laughs> mic drop moment that's exactly what it was and and that was over the summer and i mean i think at the time i was teaching i was so my day job wasn't that bad i at this point i wasn't doing a huge amount of customer service but yeah for that to just be over yeah it's just so painful it sucks you know we changed everything up uh, the reason we took a break really is because we wanted to reevaluate how we were doing this whole thing. Mm. Because I wasn't, I, w- I was doing so much admin for the band that actually I wasn't able to progress at work because yeah. I wasn't, I, I was taking time off too much to do um, the, uh, to do the band anyway. I mean, so so I was only taking the odd, the odd day off, but then so much of my mental energy as soon as I went home would be like i got to sort out the merch because i was posting the merch i run the website i run the facebook i run all the social media you know i ran everything to do with that and i did songwriting and i did band practice most weeks and i did all the shows as well so i was having to constantly maintain the band in my free time mm. and so i ended up taking less days when i was actually working and it meant that i actually didn't develop my money making ability recently uh, mm. until recently where i got a you know an office job and then i'm looking at how i can progress in an actual job that makes me money and also do the band yeah. you know um and partially a lot of that is about delegating things because i just wasn't delegating enough to the guys uh and i ended up taking responsibility for too much stuff which can be not good because i mean running a band is if you're going to do it properly and really do it like i was doing it it's kind of a job in itself really what's interesting is i know and i know that um you're totally right in what you say about how much money you you haven't made yourself whereas whenever i've done whenever i've been in a musical the hardest part has been finding the musical band the orchestra because if someone is well trained on the violin they are not going to they're not going to work for free like we found we we found a few over the years who would still be students and were happy to do it but like i remember yeah. m- both shows i've had i've I, I remember being annoyed when and this is no one's fault it's just one of those imbalances one of those injustices where actors are not treated as well but both times i've been to edinburgh i've paid for my travel and accommodation and the orchestra hasn't yeah and like it's just ah, oh, because that's the only way that a fringe company yeah. can get an orchestra is to at the very least pay their expenses yeah. whereas actors are just kind of expected to to take to take the hit on it so I wanted to talk about Voila Festival, which is a festival, a, a drama festival that's specific for theatre companies or practitioners yeah. or plays, you know, anything from Europe, which is a lovely thing, especially in the climates that we've had over the past couple of years. So after Sweeney Todd, a friend put me in touch with a director friend of hers who was completely doing this play off her own back. Her, her name is Rosie Halal. She's an absolute legend. She translated a French play that isn't even a contemporary French play. She basically translated French Shakespeare. <laughs> and she was in it. She was paying for it. She'd written it. Uh, my friend was doing movement direction. And basically she had such a big project that she hired me to help her with the little things I was and, and at first she said I think it will be maybe 10 hours in total across 
the next couple of months. I ended up doing so much and it was great. I was running their social media. I was contact, I was handling their, um, their emails. I made the audition schedule. I was communicating with industry professionals that we wanted to come and watch our rehearsed reading. Um, it just kept going. She just kept giving me more and more jobs to do. And that's actually how I became a producer because she just kept saying, if you could do this, that'd be amazing. And I went and worked out how, and we just had an amazing back and forth. And then when I was making the programs, um, she said, oh, and she, she sent me what to include. And it included Amber Saver, assistant producer. And Aww. I was like, oh, I'm an Is assistant producer. I'm an assistant producer. Well, yeah, check me out. But yeah, Voila Europe is a lovely festival. If there's anybody who is is a performer from Europe or is, is ha- speaks lots of different languages and doesn't really know where to put your specific type of creativity, Voila might be a really good place to look up because it was lovely. Mm. Really nice atmosphere as well. Like there the we launch go. the launch party was so much fun. Um it was at Theatre Delhi. Do you know what Theatre Delhi is? Theatre Delhi is a venue um, near Old Street and it's loads of rehearsal rooms and cafes and places you can um, rent out. But yeah, the launch, they had live music They and it was just loads of really nice people. I knew almost no one and talked to loads of people and, got to, and it was just great. So yeah, there we are. that's a fun one to look into that a lot of people Absolutely. probably don't know about. Very cool, very cool. I don't know what. Um, see, I've, I've actually done buckets of festivals, and now you can't and, think of them. Um, and it's it's like it's trying to pick out the significant ones because we do ones that are kind of all indoor, and then they basically just hold a venue for for three three days, and then you just every every day it's different bands. We did one in Ibiza that was really good, which was um, we we won the opportunity to go there in a, in another Battle of the Bands competition, which was the Hard Rock Hell Road Trip, which I believe was in 2016, uh, the year that we went there. Oh, it was crazy, actually, because we played with Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, which Phil Campbell was the guitarist in Motorhead. And Cute. so um, we played the, the, the day before them, and they... Um, yeah, that was that was crazy because obviously Lemmy had only recently passed away, huh. so it would have been 2016, 2017 then. Yeah, twenty sixteen because he died in at the end of twenty fifteen. Oh, I see. So, yeah, he he was the first of the celebrities, and then Bowie went. That was an interesting sociological notation to take. Is that my Facebook was full of Lemmy memes really? and pictures of Lemmy, and then all the other people, all the normies I knew. We, there's less of them on my Facebook and my, my, my Instagram and social media. Then they were all talking about um, David Bowie. It was really interesting because the Lemmy thing was like a bigger deal for me than yeah. it was for everyone else. Yeah. And on the news, they were talking about David Bowie all the time. But for, for my whole community, really, Lemmy was the one that 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 uh, really... He, he, he really meant something to the community because he kind of uh, personified a certain attitude to other people that really resonated with a lot of that community because a lot of the rock community have always felt a bit ostracized from you know normies yeah um and lemmy's kind of middle finger fuck you attitude always always meant something to us so it was very interesting actually just to watch that i mean bowie so, was that as well but bowie was so oh, yeah, he successful was. No, in that that he became yeah, mainstream yeah. he became yeah. mainstream for being individual and then mm. you've got a load of people wanting to be like bowie and missing the fact that that doesn't that's not actually quite as original as Bowie being Bowie. But no, no. 
I remember when the day that he died, um, I had a little Facebook group of a bunch of friends from uni that I did theatre with. I did Camden Fringe with them. And someone posted, oh, I hope you guys are okay. And I was like, why are people saying, I hope you guys are okay? And I looked it up and saw that Bowie had died. And there was, and I yeah. know it sounds weird, but there were some people in that friendship group who really idolised him, like yeah, really yeah. did. And I met up with a few of them either that day or the next day and we were actually talking about i can't remember what but whichever show we were doing that year and they both were like yeah but we we can't work for the rest of the day we need to go home and and and, you know just (laughs) process and i remember thinking that i found that a bit bizarre and i know that a lot of people a lot of people i I get it i get the emotional connections you can have to your idols i really really do but at the end of the day like yeah yeah I, you don't know him I, I really. I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy. And no. The, the relationship that I have with him doesn't vanish because his music doesn't vanish. No, of My relationship not. is with, like we said earlier, it's one part of yourself. The exactly. The part that yeah. you put in the public. Yep. And that part that, that David gave the world is not has not gone anywhere. Um, no, absolutely. I remember his son, bless his cottons, had to put a state, not a statement out, but something on Twitter that was like, guys, I know that this is a big deal, but can I just remind you that it's I'm losing my dad. It was dad. my dad. Yeah. It was my dad. You did, know? did you see that? Like, I, like, a lot of us literally shed tears about yep. the whole Lemmy thing, but I have no doubt that Lemmy was fucking impossible to deal with. <laughs> really? Actually, I could tell you some interesting stories about Lemmy that you won't know because like a lot of us, we like all watch the documentaries on him. Go for stuff. it, man. And so uh, him and his son used to share girls. I beg That's your pardon? the thing they did. They used to share groupies, him and his son. Oh, no, I just, I don't feel comfortable with that. <laughs> no, there's lots of things. David Bowie slashes, uh, slashes mum shagged David Bowie because she, um, she was his costume designer for a while. I never it's knew that. That's a fun slash his one. Mum. Slash his mum, um, because he's, um, he's, he's mixed race, so his mum was black and his dad was white, I believe. And um, she was... Uh, she was his costume guy, costume uh, uh, person for ages. Designer? And so, yeah, I think she was the designer. I don't know. Anyway, All anyway. I know is I read Slash's autobiography and she was like, wow, him. she, she shagged him. David Bowie. Yeah. And there was a whole thing about David Bowie's that in Slash, this is what Slash's book said. So, hey, we don't know. He loved this image of him being um, bisexual, pansexual person and and obviously you know um he had really radical attitudes to gender at the time but really he seemed to actually really like the company of women rather than men and that was kind of an affectation but i don't know if that's true you know people Mm. said a lot of things about freddie mercury that people see him as a gay icon but actually he was very very bisexual on the topic of festivals, you know, I had a good five years or so where I would have been so happy at Reading. I would have been so happy and I just never managed to do it. And it just it just kept not quite yeah. happening. Again, either because I was away or because I couldn't afford the ticket that year. Or, you know, I remember there was a year that I was going to go and I can't remember why, but I couldn't. And it was the year that Green Day randomly showed up. Do you know about oh, this? Right. And they, no, I didn't know about this. When I was maybe 15, Green Day just showed up at Reading, didn't tell anyone <laughs> and just said, hey, can can we have a tent? And they were nice. like, of course, it's Green Day. And the, they so there's this like amazingly so cool. exclusive tiny gig that happened at Reading one day where Green Day yeah. showed up and only about 200 people could fit in the tent. And the first 200 people that got there just got the best gig ever. Yeah. 
good songwriters in yeah. um in Green Day. So apparently this Drummer's year cool. this year Glastonbury are doing like a I think are they doing a best of or are they doing lost artists? So I oh, think because obviously Glastonbury can't happen, I think what they're doing is they're they're broadcasting previous performances, but they're also broadcasting um incredible musicians that they never got. So I think Prince yeah. is gonna be a big one and stuff mm. like that. My mum, no joke. You don't know this about my mum. She no. loves gig culture. Oh, mate, I can't tell you. She was she was that girl in like the 80s with a tiny little hairdryer moped going hmm. all over the north of England to different record shops and she had a shaved head. She was one of them. And nice. she is now like a nice little suburban mum, but that part of her is never going to vanish. Oh, isn't and that nice? She wants to do like Glastonbury in her back garden. So she and my dad <laughs> are going to put a tent up and they're going to set up <laughs> speakers and they're go- she's yeah. going to have me. She's got a big garden now. Um, if I'm able to go over by that point, I might. She wants yeah, She wants nice. the rule to be, except to go to the toilet, you are not allowed in the house and we properly camp out and have a Glastonbury garden Fair. party. Very cool. Very cool. How cute is that? Isn't she sweet? People are doing a lot of cool things with, with lockdown. A lot of camping in the back garden is happening. Yeah, my brother and his and his girlfriend did that over over her birthday. Oh, that's cute. Glastonbury and um and you know Reading Leeds generally didn't um never appealed to me just because of the bands, uh and um what because usually the usually it's just for the bands I don't like, but um every now and again there's a good one. I can't tell you one funny thing though. Go on. Do you know what Dark Fruits Twitter is? No, it sounds like Ribena. No, you you know Dark Fruits the Strongbow right. Yes. So, oh, I know it way too well. Earlier, earlier this year. Oh, oh, I know it way too well. Far too well. Far anyway, too well, earlier dear. this year, this was like a, a, a social media sensation, a little thing that happened and just disappeared really quickly, but it's really freaking funny. Yeah. So Rage Against the Machine were announced for Reading and Leeds this yeah. year. Uh, and obviously that's not happening now, I assume. Everyone kicked off because, you know, it was an oasis or something, you know, because... Fuck right dark... off. Rage Against no, the Machine. No, 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 no. Oh. no, no. Because Dark Fruits Twitter, because the kind of there's this image in people's heads of the, the the people who only drink dark fruits and only really like stereophonics and oasis, you know, like reacting to oh my god, what's Rage Against the Machine? I don't want some bunch of goths screaming at me. And there was all these tweets on Twitter. Um, where else would they be? Uh, going like, <laughs> oh, can't stand Rage Against the Machine. Can't stand Rage. And then and then all the like, you know the alternative people were like oh freaking dark fruits twitter is kicking off and there's all these these uh like just oh satirical things about oh oh if it's not liam gallagher i don't give a shit <laughs> it's fucking hilarious if you go on twitter look up dark t- dark fruits twitter it's the funniest thing there's a video of a girl who's at a club who like clearly has no idea who rage against the machine are oh, right. and um someone's playing killing in the name of in the background so everyone around her is going fuck you i won't do what you tell me and she's just standing there with a drink going what the fuck is, is going happening? on? <laughs> What's fucking happening here? And like, I just said hashtag Dark Fruits Twitter right now or something. Oh, okay. So funny. I'll look it up. Look up Dark Fruits Twitter. Yeah, I will. Seriously, best thing in the world. Who was it that organ? Do you remember that year? There was a year I was eighteen, so about eight years ago. Um, when the world, I can't remember who, but people were sick of whoever won X Factor getting number one every Christmas. Oh yeah, so, so it was Rage Everybody Machine, downloaded Killing in the Name of and made I them think number that was... one. It made me so happy. Was that? I think it was 2009, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I think Fine. it was 2009. You missed my point, though. <laughs> no, no. No, I didn't miss your point. I, I remember that year because I bought the signal, single. I'd never bought a single before. 
You are right, though, as far as... Do you know, I listen to music legally and for free because my brother pays a subscription and I get to use it. So I, I have not actually spent money on music in a really long yep. time. Really it's a real problem. It's a real problem. Genuinely, like, there is an issue because uh, the entire uh, industry is completely messed up now because yeah. you only... Bands can't get as big as they used to get. You know, the years no. of like Metallica and people like that are just gone. It's never going to happen again. Kind of have I to get, get, get over ha- it, which we've kind of it had has to, to talk ourselves around to. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have the answer, but I think that the thing that makes that creates success is embracing change. And I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that change is. I mean, and this is for me. I don't know how how my acting career is going to work with social yeah. distancing and things like that. I just I think that it's so. I think the reason that people go to plays, the film industry will find solutions, but the reason people go to plays is to be in the same room as other people and to be yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a communal experience. So um, I don't know how it's going to work, but I do know that you've got to adapt and you've got to find yeah. find something that does fit the current world and find a way way to make it um to make it work for you but yeah i don't know what those answers are you just always got to be willing to get creative yeah. and see what you find well well speaking on that you know i'm part of this rock community and the, the, the big problem is that rock isn't really very fashionable anymore rock and metal isn't really that fashionable no. not that it was ever hugely fast but it was always a subculture but now it's kind of gone even smaller in a way and um a lot of musicians in my world are very resistant to change yeah and they really true. hold Especially on to things that are so old yeah, you know massively. and that's what that's actually one of the reasons we, we 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 felt we were getting trapped over the last couple of years you know because i don't want to sound like a band from the 70s or the 80s i no, really don't otherwise why are you here like why would i do it it's never going to get anywhere anyway but also musically it's done you know yeah like i don't want it anymore yeah and um I'm interested in so many genres, but so many bands I know are just like, oh, I want to sound like the good old days of Skinnerd and blah, 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 blah. And I know like a hundred bands that sound like two bands. Yeah. They sound like Blackstone Cherry and they sound like Roller, Roller oh Spinning God. Wheel for um for your favourite 70s band. So I know bands that sound like Blackstone Cherry meets Leonard Skinnerd. I know bands that sound like Blackstone Cherry meets ACDC. I know bands that sound like Blackstone Cherry meets, uh, I mean, uh, no, motley crew or something right Do you know what and makes like me every so band i know has started to fall into that trap i love that you mentioned blackstone cherry because i saw them live when i was a teenager and felt like i was the only person who knew who they were yeah and like i remember even when i met like other kind of rock mates because i don't i'm not gonna lie to you i'm i'm not their biggest fan in the world and i haven't no, listened to them I. in years but um i went through my blackstone cherry phase and i really liked their name as well because i was a 15 year old girl that wore red leather <laughs> print you know the thing and and yeah, and it's just so refreshing that someone else... I, I remember that when we first met, because I was... When we first met, we, we we all like created this little group on the film set, didn't we? And we had, yeah, it was nice. We had you with your band, me with my acting life. We had a dancer friend. We had we had a creative friend. We had the people who are amazingly good with like tattoos. And, you know, all these interesting people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that because I was Miss Theatre while we were there... I feel like it took a long time for you to realise that you and I actually do share a music taste. Yeah, 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 yeah. Until months later, I think you were talking about trying to do like um, a rock cover of some musical theatre. So we got in touch about that. And then yeah. I can't remember why, but I sent you, I think I sent you Warriors of Time. 
and you were like this is really my kind of music and like i think i then sent you two or three other songs and i was like cole you realize that i do like rock music <laughs> i remember being in edinburgh and it, oh, it was so sweet um we used to do big group warm-ups in the like place where we were staying we rented out this big apartment for for sweeney todd and mm. when it was my birthday the girl who was warming us up because she was the, one of the best dancers there. She was a personal trainer. She was a great person to yeah. be doing our dance warm ups. She was like, um, oh, Amber, it's your birthday. What kind of song do you nice. want to warm up to? And I just remember saying, I was like, honestly, anything that falls under the umbrella of rock, I can enjoy it, whether it's country, whether it's punk, whether, you know, I love anything that falls under rock music. And she put, bless her cottons, she put on a Lannis Morissette. <laughs> I was like, oh, honey. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I was always the guy uh, at school who was like, you know, there'd be an iPod in the corner and it'd be shuffling through whatever. And I'd always be the one who's looking for something that I want to listen to. Yeah, for sure. And it's weird. It's weird at parties. Not that I go to many parties anymore because I'm old. But uh, uh, with with parties, it was always a case of when people came to my house and my kind of favourite kind of music was playing, they were like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And the thing is that, like, that was every party in the world for me. Yeah, you know? same. Like, same. like, every party in the world, I'd go there and be like, well, I'm just going to have to tolerate this music because I'm going to hate it because I just have specific tastes and I'm sorry, you know? Oh, but at the same time... There is a thing about appreciating all kinds of music from all kinds of places, but I also think that, you know, having a bit of a filter is good, you know, because yeah. otherwise you just end up with dirge all the time. I think that when I remember, I, I had ex- exactly the same experiences. Like, I totally get you. And I kind of accepted not liking the music I was yep. listening to. And yep. I would I was so protective over my phone or my iPod back when I had an yeah. iPod. Because I didn't want... Because the amount of times people would scroll through it and be like, Ugh, you like Nickelback? And I'd be like, well, yeah, I, I don't hate Nickelback. Then, like, what's wrong with that? Um, I mean, the rock people would do that as well. No, I know. I know. They were my rock friends Which is weird. Well. Rock Nickelback aren't a bad band at all. They're not a they're bad just, band. They're, they're just the a band, and that's fine. They're, they're just band. what they are. They do their thing. He's got a good. The main guy, I forgot his name. He's got a good voice. They've had a handful Chad Kruger, of hits. I believe it is. Like, is it Chad Kruger. Think... Yes, well done. And well he's done. with Avril Lavigne, I think. What about Avril Lavigne? No, I think he's married to her, or they're shagging, Fuck or something. Off, really? Um, yeah. I remember the first time. He that I enjoyed the music, not the first time, that's harsh, but I'd never really liked clubs. I, um, and and yeah. I don't really, I'm not, I'm not really up to date on pop music very much. And um, I was just used to not enjoying them. And then I got taken out with a lo- load of friends when I worked in a pub for someone's birthday. And yeah. it was my first time at Underworld. And nice. I cannot tell you what I went through. For those of you who don't know, Underworld is right by Camden Station. It is yep. an underground club. Have you been, Cole? Do you know what I'm talking about? I've only ever been to gigs there. Okay, fair enough. Oh, the so world's I went in and you, and you saw the bar. You go down these stairs and you see the bar and it's got that thing where everything's like a hue blue colour, you know, and you get your drink and I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Then you go around the bar and these doors open to this huge space. Yep, like there yep, could easily yep. be gigs there. And you know when you're like a couple of steps above them and you can just see hundreds of people dancing like crazy. And I was like what is this magical place? And the longer I was there, the more I had fun because all those weird little songs that I liked when I was younger got played as like an indie nostalgia hit. They didn't take over the whole night, but I'd be going, oh my God, I like this song. And then Jimmy Eat World would come on and I was like, fuck off. (laughs) 
Shout Boy and things like that. It's amazing when you find those places. I Uh, love it. World's End End is... And Camden and and the Underworld are like... Yeah. Real cultural hubs. Oh, I know. World's End is uh, bloody expensive. Yes, true. I mean, I'm from Oxfordshire, so like... I'm one of the only people who would go to London and yeah. not be surprised by the prices. Oh, but awful. when I was at uni, they're all just going, oh, oh, down in that, there in that, there, London. No, oh, they'd all be, all be paying four pound for a pint, and I'd be like, yes, yes, granddad? they would. That that makes sense. It's your granddad from the north, from Tut North. Did you not know this? My mum's from Manchester. Oh yeah, you're a mix of Greek and Northerner. Yeah. So the way that I explain it is, if if you're a Game of Thrones fan. My dad is Dornish and my mum is a Stark. There we go. That's what I am. I'm half Dornish, half Stark. So you would definitely die by the end. <laughs> a thousand percent. But I'd be noble as fuck while I did it. As fuck. <laughs> oh, mate. The end of Game of Thrones was so disappointing. Yeah, of course it was. Um, oh, I'm so hurt. Me and my brother just always had this fun little game of, of guessing what cultures were being referenced when you met new people. And when Oberyn showed up, we were like, mm, is he Greek? He might be Greek. I'm not too sure if he's Greek. And then he mentioned a brothel and someone went, oh, you don't need a brothel. You just need a goat and some olive oil. And we were like, he's Greek. <laughs> he's one of us. <laughs> uh, wait, so so a Greek's the Welsh of the Mediterranean. Is that what you're saying? Rude. I mean, goats. Oh, I see your point. We eat a lot of goat. Lamb and you know, goat is eaten a lot. I actually you know, don't eat lamb. It makes me feel sick. You know that the word Welsh means foreigner. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. That's, That's what rude. the word Welsh means. It's a bit harsh on the Welsh. Shall we, end, shall we end on, oh, shall we end on want, a fun fine. story each? I mean, if you want, whatever. Fine. Whatever. Why? Whatever you want. I don't know. I was just taking the piss. <laughs> say is that you trying to be a diva because you're really shit at it oh we used to jo- uh, joke about um oh, what was the joke luke you know carol vorderman right of course do you know who david coverdale is no david coverdale is the lead singer of white snake who is one of those particular <gasps> divas a bit Here like I go again, oh my that one right yeah so Magic. um uh he's a bit like axel rose that, that kind yeah. of well known for it and um, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Luke, our drummer Luke, who is very funny, sometimes intentionally. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just laughed at my own jokes because I'm a diva. Um, we were watching <laughs> Countdown. We were watching Countdown and he was like, fucking Carol Vorderman. She's like the David Coverdale of numbers. Like, she's really good at it, but she's a massive fucking dick. <laughs> so why would you say that? But that's so what he aggressive. said. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought it was very funny. So, um, oh, I can do another political joke if you want. Go for it. Because Dominic Cummings did his announcement this last last week. Um, his non-apology over lockdown stuff, yeah. right? Because everyone was expecting to, him to say an apology or something. And, he and didn't. then he didn't, yeah. And, and he turned up like 40 minutes late. And I was sitting there with my mum and we were chatting about it. And uh, my mum stole my joke. My mum said, um, oh, this is like waiting for Axl Rose to turn up on stage. <laughs> yes, mum. Because um, I was saying all this stuff like, like if I'd turned up this late, they'd have kicked me out for sound check. They'd have kicked me off the bill. Fuck them. Yeah. You know? Oh my That's gosh. Funny. I saw, I had tickets the same year that that, that all happened. So mm. I saw 
you know, in air quotes, I saw Guns N' Roses, although they really weren't yeah. Guns N' Roses anymore. It was a the Axl Rose after. rock band. And it was it was really bad. It was one of the worst gigs, I think. And I remember just trying to focus on his eyes to prove to myself that actually was Axl Rose. <laughs> I was like, eyes don't age. <laughs> eyes don't change. Oh, They're the same. It's, it's, it's weird because they were all really, really good musicians, that whole oh, they that were. particular lineup of Guns N' Roses. But you really want to see Axel and Slash and Duff McKagan and like that's what you want to see um but uh hey they reunited even after the all all the awful things they said about each other out of desperation though don't you think there we go i mean like the rolling stones the rolling stones probably hate each other but man a 300 quid a ticket you might as well just have a go yeah exactly exactly like i can hate you but as long as i don't look at you then it's fine you know i will i'm just gonna be rolling in them benjamins I will end on a birthday Edinburgh Fringe story. You did, so you did. I spent my 21st on the train there, as you know. The last time I went there, it was my 25th. Yeah. And Sweeney had a big cast, and this is important. <laughs> there okay. were, I think there were 18 of us in the cast, plus the director, the choreographer, the band, the musical director. So there was a lot, we were a big group. Big, big, big group. And on my 25th, I actually found a great, you would have loved it. I found a really good event to go to where um, I think it was live. Oh, what's it called? It was like live folk music. And it was so much fun. And it was like, you could dance for hours and i did and we get there it's really lively because our show was on quite late anyway and i had everyone in the cast and crew buying me drinks nice because it was my birthday so i got messed up and um eliza played my understudy but also we were like sharing a room and we were like absolute sisters through the whole thing and she and i just had the messiest night and it got to a point where i was just spinning around in circles like non-stop at ridiculous Obviously. o'clock i mean and why wouldn't you? Yeah. her contacts something happened to her contacts so she couldn't see so the two of us just had to have someone order a cab and get us both in it <laughs> and get us home and then at seven in the morning i left a voicemail for my best friend who i've who she and i um have always left each other really drunk voice messages before like at new year and stuff so i was just there at 7 a.m like hey do you remember that time when we ate salmon i'm gonna have some salmon (laughs) (laughs) and i tried to finish talking like four times but then keep kept thinking of other drunk shit to say and i was like i love you you're my best friend you've been my best friend my whole life anyway you probably have work in like an hour i'm sorry but you really are my best friend and then i ended it and just (laughs) went happy birthday to me happy my birthday to you (laughs) (laughs) that was my 25th oh my god you know you know there's a whole video that just reminded me because it's quite rare for me to get drunk because I don't usually drink. Though then again, I have been D- sitting here doing this podcast, uh, drinking a Corona and weirdly and? amaretto and um, uh, uh, liqueur while I've been sitting here doing this podcast with you. But um, uh, there's one famous example of me getting drunk, which is when we did a festival. Uh, the one, the one uh, that um, that uh, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons was at actually. Uh, oh, I, I forgot to mention, I started the mosh pit during Overkill for that. It was amazing. Awesome. But um, afterwards, I got truly fucked, and there is video evidence of most of my night because someone just had a camera on me. Yeah. And uh, there's me dancing around like Jack Sparrow. Oh. Um, 
just randomly picking up my friends and throwing them around. Um, me singing. There's a video of me singing Fat Bottom Girls on the coach home. I love that song. I got the whole whole coach going, which is good. I love that song as well. Hence why drunk version of me was singing it. Yeah. I think we did Bohemian Rhapsody as well. Of course. Um, uh, and uh, I'm not sure what conclusion I can draw from this. Except I'm definitely threw up somewhere or on someone. <laughs> Happy birthday. And I trundered everywhere. So today has ended up being um, themed on birthdays and festivals since it was your birthday yesterday. And we've both had to have our birthdays at festivals over and over again. (laughs) I don't know if he still works there, but when I performed at the Hen and Chickens, um, the venue manager was this really camp guy. And um, I just remember we'd, we'd show up with all our set and props waiting to do our get in. And he just turned around because it was all girls who just so happened to be there. And she, he just went, so are there any young, attractive men in this show? <laughs> right. I think we're good, mate. Do you want to say a goodbye? Lovely. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say a goodbye. Goodbye. Okay. So long, Ladies and gents, farewell. Ladies and g- Pardon? Sanger, but I, I was going to do my big, my big thing if you want. Ladies, gents, and all things outside and in between, we have been Riffs and Scripts. My name is Cole Bryant. My name's Amber Sava. I thought you were going to finish. And that's the thing! <laughs> oh dear, we didn't practice that. Do you want to go back? <laughs> Shall I? I'll send it to you and then you f- complete the sentence. Do you have okay. any of the Instagram stuff? Oh, is that what I was meant to do? Yeah, sure. I was pointing at you, and I'm sorry. I, did I was. Not give I'm you sorry. The cue. I had. I had the I, recording I, up to make sure it doesn't cut out. I queued you in without preparing a cue with you, and that was my fault. Yeah, okay? I've also got you quite small to make sure that my recording doesn't cut That's out. That's good. Okay. Right. Should I do what I just did? What I can't remember. It's I, okay. I said something all right that was quite inclusive, and I can't remember what it was. You said, um, "Ladies, gentlemen, and everything else, or everyone in between and outside." Okay. Okay, I'll do that. Shall I do that again? I'm just watching you now. I'm not watching anything else. Okay, ladies. Okay. Ladies and jelly beans and all things outside and in between. You've been listening to Riffs and Scripts. My name is Cole Bryant. My name is Amber Sava. You can find us on our Riffs and Scripts Instagram account. You can email us, riffsandscripts at gmail.com or Cole Original to the Flame and Amber Sava. <laughs> <laughs>